This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to our show from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City, along with my producer, Bug Schneiders. I'm here every week, and we get into the world of sports psychology on this show. Your mindsets, your attitude, focus, how you deal with success and failure, how do athletes handle pressure? What does winning really mean? What happens when you lose? And in society today, with all the issues we have going on, the pressures, the stressors with the pandemic, the economic issues, the racial issues, we've, the political issues, we've got lots of stress that we have to deal with. And on this show, I try to talk about how we can cope and handle things better, especially in the world of sports. And, you know, I've been here for 29 years on the radio in Kansas City, the last 19 years here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. Our shows are podcasted. And uh, they're rebroadcast in a number of cities around the country. And I like talking about you, how you, you can accomplish your goals, how you can overcome obstacles. And in life, we have so many things we have to deal with. And if you're an athlete, especially, you have to overcome a lot of things to become successful in many situations. You know, for years, I've talked about the importance of mental health on this show and how athletes are people how athletes have to deal with issues just like everybody else. And one of the problems that we all have to face is adversity, personal trauma, overcoming all kinds of issues. Mental health today in our society is maybe more important than it ever has been because we all have to deal with pressures and stress, adversity, anxiety, And I try to bring up topics on this show and talk to guests on this show who can let some insight into that. And today, I'm very privileged to have a young man on the show. His name is Roger Walker, played seven years in the NFL, and he's now working with people to help them overcome obstacles. And I'm I'm going to talk to Reggie in a minute, but before I introduce him, I want to read a little bio I found about him on LinkedIn. And then I'm going to have Reggie comment on this. And I would just like to read what he puts down. He says, in my journey of becoming an undrafted NFL player of seven years, working my way into a team captain, I've learned to always find a way. Even though I never started more than half a season in college, while battling the effects of depression, anxiety, mental, physical, and sexual abuse, I've always found a way. Without the help of positive mentors or role models, I've learned to always find a way. Seeing so many others fail with more resources, more tools, more ability, I saw that I had something extremely valuable to set me apart, strategy and an unbreakable resilience to accomplish whatever I set my mind to. With understanding that this unique ability is what has always set me apart, now I help others set themselves or their businesses apart from the competition. 
You can't always be given the tools necessary to succeed, but you can cultivate them. With a plan, you can find the tools, and with the hardened, self-built resilience, you can always keep yourself in the game. But the first step is understanding who you are, where you want to go in a fluid plan, complete with strategy, tactics, and resourceful tools to help get you to your desired destination. Reggie, good morning, sir. Thank you for joining me. Morning. How are you doing? Thanks for the intro, too. Well, you're welcome. I, I'm really excited to talk to you today, and uh, thank you for getting up so early. You know, our, our show is on early here in Kansas City, but I, I'm really excited to talk to you because I want to I want to hear about your story, and I want you to share it to our listeners because you know I've been working in my 40th year as a sports psychologist. I've worked with people at all levels of competition. I've worked with so many people who've had to overcome so much. And I'd like you to share your story with us because I, I'm intrigued to hear about it as well. How you've done it. I mean, you played seven years in the NFL. The average lifespan is about three and a half years. And yet you've overcome all these things. So if you would, share us, share with us a little bit about how you did it. Well, just how I did it. Uh, okay. So my dad, he, he has a logistics background in the military. And um, he... He didn't really teach us a lot about, like, uh, changing tires or stuff like that. That wasn't his main goal. Um, how he understood things was the bigger thing is these kids, especially me, he um, he really worked with me on this. Was He really helped me to see the big picture. He really helped me to understand people, understand relationships, understand how I fit in relation to the big picture. He really taught me how to be calculated. Um, and over my experiences over time, um, I really taught myself how to be resourceful and how to be tactical about every one of my movements. Because um, growing up, it, you know, I got, I had, a, I was blessed with being. Being a military brat, we lived in situations where I was a minority, where I was a part of the majority, where we had money, where we were so poor we had to get food from the church. Um, you know, I still remember even my dad sitting us all down and telling us, hey, hey kids, uh, water or electricity, because uh, we can't afford both. So, you know... That and plus from the period of being from like four to twelve, um, I got molested uh, by a family friend. It was something that kind of stayed with me for a very long time. Also, kind of growing up, I suffered through a lot of mental abuse, uh, physical abuse. Um, would you would you mind would you mind, would you excuse me would you mind sharing how that happened? What was that about? The abuse itself. Yes. Um, hmm. whatever you're yeah, com- whatever it, you're comfortable saying. No, that's fine. That's fine. Um, it was yeah, friend of the family. Um, what what it turned out was that someone had molested them, and then they turned around and molested uh, me. Um, it was something that. Hmm. that for from the period about from 4 to 12 it was something that happened so often 
that you thought that that what you thought that was the way it was, right? That they just what it was that it was okay. It wasn't until I got older and I started maturing that you realize that this is a bad thing that's happening. And then once you're at that point, it was just too late. Um, but you learned. But you learned to speak up at some point about it. I didn't speak up about it. Um, I don't think I told my parents about it until I was 30. And what, what, before we go to our first break here, what brought you to the place where you could say something about it? I just had to do it. I finally got comfortable with saying it enough that I just, I just had to. I I felt as if they should know. It happened for a long time. Um, and it felt odd to me that they didn't know. Um, that no one knew. Well, we're going to, we got to go our first break here, Reggie. We're going to come back and talk about this because I think so many people deal with this and are scared to talk about abuse, whatever kind of abuse mm-hmm. it is, for fear of being ridiculed or made fun of and the embarrassment. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm talking with former NFL player Reggie Walker. We're talking about his story. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? 
Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm here at Sports Radio 810 WHB every week on our flagship station. And today I'm privileged to have joining me Reggie Walker, former NFL player, and we're talking about his career. And, um, you know, Reggie, I'm sure, as you just mentioned before we went to our first break, at age 30, revealing that you'd been a victim of abuse, how, what finally got you to say something about it? How, how did you finally decide, I need to, need to share this? Well, one, uh, therapy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was therapy. I, therapy helped out a lot. Um, I guess what started that was probably um, the locker room, being able to talk about some of these issues with some of my teammates, the ones that I trusted uh, most of all, and kind of get it out. Um, Once I started talking about it at first, um, I think I was about 22, when I first mentioned it to somebody. Is this when you were where you were in the league at this point? Were you, you in the NFL at this no, point? I, no, I was in college. Okay. I was in college. Yeah, I was in college. And um, I had mentioned it to a girlfriend. And then after that, I would slowly start letting people in just a little bit more over the years um, until when I retired. That's when I started doing full therapy about once a week. And I disclosed to her pretty much right off top. One of the first sessions, what had happened, because after a while, you you understand what's going on with you. Um, If you really just, if you try to be self-aware, if you want to know what's going on, you're going to know. 
So what? Excuse, excuse me. What? So what? Finally, got you to feel brave enough to reveal it. You say a girlfriend encouraged you in therapy, but what? Finally, you know, I, I mean, I've been a therapist for counting grad school forty-five years with all my years of internship, and some people never want to reveal how they feel. So what? Finally, got you? What made you decide I've got to, I've got to reveal this? I was in a very bad place um, after. My first year, we got a new coach, and this is in college. We got a new coach, um, and he was just the type of person that uh, I don't want to talk too much about him, but the next three years, what he basically tried to do was break me as a person for three years straight. He tried to tear me down as a person, tried to... Without knowing your background, yeah. without knowing how... Without knowing my background. He didn't, because I already felt like I was nothing. And he took it upon himself to make sure that I knew I was nothing every single day. Um, if, I, if, I can, if I can interject something right here, okay? Mm-hmm. That's, that's called verbal abuse, correct? Yeah. Okay. And it, 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 last night I was having dinner and, and met a gentleman who runs an athletic uh, company and works with coaches. And we started talking and he asked what I did. And then he goes, oh, I've, I've listened to your show. I've, I've, I know of you. And he goes, you know, you talk about this stuff all the time. People need to hear about it because coaches, so many coaches are verbally abusive to their athletes. And yet they get away with it because... They put fear and intimidation in these kids. And would you would you say that was part of what happened here with you? You didn't want to say anything to him because you were scared? It was, it was a dictatorship. And it was that was the, be, the best way of putting it. It was a dictatorship. He knew how much power he had. He knew that our main goal, most of us, was to go to the NFL. He knew that most of us, football was a safe haven. Um, it was therapeutic. It was something that we just needed. And he knew the power over us he had. And he flaunted that power um, as often as he could. And it, but it wasn't just to us either. He did that to his own coaches. He did that to the supporting staff. He treated everyone terribly. Well, and, that, um, and see, yeah. that's, that, excuse me, but see, that, that is why, I, I mean, I've been in this profession as, as long as anybody in the country now. And I've dealt with this too many times. And people need to expose people like this because it's wrong i mean you know it used to be years ago the tough mentality you got to break people to make them stronger well you need to understand people first and 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 i think you would agree with me there are some kids who need to be toughened up right i mean mentally they need to be pushed yeah but but this situation in particular wasn't about like and this is what i have to be very clear of it was not tough coaching this was i'm literally trying to tear you down as a man, right, and that's it that, has yeah. Nothing to do with that, and it that's my that. right, yeah. and that's my point. That's my point. I mean, there's a there there that that's what I'm trying to get at. There are some kids who need to be mentally tougher. I've been a, accused many times of of being soft with the things I talk about on here. I go, no, there are kids that need to be tougher, and then there are kids who need to be understood. And verbal abuse, physical abuse, is not acceptable across the board. And it's one thing to push an athlete to try to reach their potential. But you need, as a, as, as a coach, Reggie, don't you need to be, I always say a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. If you're a coach, you need to understand your athletes, who they are, where they're coming from, and understand what, what they're about. Would you? And this guy obviously didn't do that. No. No, it wasn't about that. It was, there was just this hatred towards me. 
is where it was. I don't. I, I couldn't explain it because one, I wasn't his recruit, and a big thing that people have to understand about when there's a coaching change in college, more times than not, a new coach comes in and wants to get the older recruits out for whatever reason it may be, as far as. Um, they want to incorporate a new system, and these guys just don't fit the system. Or I, it could, it, it could, there's so many different reasons why. But I was an older recruit. I mean, I was a recruiter of someone else. He just didn't want. He wanted to put his guys in there. It, but um, plus, my mentality when it came down to things was, um, I really needed to be told why. I, when it came down to coaching and you're just going to sit there and say, let's do this and let's run 50 million stairs and let's do this, I would just ask why. Like, what, 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 where are we trying to do this? And, if, and it infuriates people. A lot of coaches don't like to, like, answer questions. It's like, oh, like, hey, I'm doing this because I told you so. Because I'm the coach uh, and I'm in charge and you have to do what, you, what I'm telling you to do. Um, yeah, and that's fine. But and it's fine, and I had to realize this afterwards. But no, I just needed to be told why. Like, what? What's the point of what we're doing? Okay, if we're going to sit here and walk on our hands through the snow for five hours, what's the point of us doing this? What is this going to do? All right, you tell me a point, I'll do whatever you want. But if it doesn't make sense, then you know I'm going to tell you because especially since I was a leader, I and I know that these guys are looking up to me and they're, you know, I have to motivate them too because this is serious because being a coach too, you have to be a delegator. Uh, You know, you pass responsibilities down to your head coach. I mean, down to your assistant coaches, assistant coaches pass responsibilities down to the players. And then as a leader, um, you're going to have to convey this message to other people. That was where I was coming from. Okay, you want us to do this crazy stuff? All right, what's up? I'm game. Why? <laughs> Could you just give me an answer? No. <laughs> and it was one of those things that he didn't want us to know why when it came down to this stuff because he. <laughs> None of the stuff that he was going to do, he wanted to do really actually made sense. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology This Hour. is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. 
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week. Today I'm having a fascinating interview with former NFL player Reggie Walker. He's been sharing and opening up with us about how he's, he's had to deal with abuse in his life. And now he's trying to help people. He's getting Reggie, tell everybody what you're doing now. You're getting a degree in counseling and you're work, you want to help people. Yeah, I'm doing. I'm getting my uh, master's in school and clinical uh, school counseling. Counseling. Um, yeah, I wrote a curriculum just based on the system that um, I used to kind of succeed. Um, because even though I was going through a lot of uh, 
I mean, I had depression, I had clinical depression, anxiety, uh, I was bipolar. Um, I had it, and then I wasn't using medication until um, it took years to actually decide to use medication um, until about two years ago. I followed, there's a system that I followed that helps me to succeed as well as maintain myself. Because that was the, probably one of the hardest things to do is just maintain my composure, especially finding out that I had, ha, you know, having a chemical imbalance. Because I got molested at such a young age, um, it really threw me off chemically. And it really affected me to have the mood swings and to have a lot of the issues, especially when they started hitting me when I turned 21. Um, that's when the depression really started hitting me, when it became a point where I was just sitting in a, like a dark room for hours, you know, without anybody. You know, we and get this. It was, sorry, yeah. sorry. We, we get, we get this, this image as, as fans of, of athletes that, you know, athletes are, are superhuman people because physically you're able to do things that the average person can't do, especially when you make it to the collegiate or the professional level now. And for years I've talked about, and as I said earlier, athletes are people, they have, I, I, I've shared it for, I don't care who you are. I mean, I'm, I've, I've been lucky enough to work with Olympians, uh, with, with professional athletes at all levels. I was the Royals, I was the, one of the first sports psychologists in Major League Baseball back in 1990 with the Royals. I got to know Bo Jackson, George Brett, Willie Wilson, Tom Gordon, Brett Saber, great athletes, but they're people. They're people. And, and everybody has issues. And, and so, so let's talk about coaches for a minute, Reggie, because you've dealt with a lot of coaches. You played on three NFL teams, the, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and briefly the Broncos. You were around players in the NFL for seven years. What what are what are qualities of a really good coach, and what are qualities of a really bad coach? Good coach. Okay, so qualities of a good coach, um, they explain why what they're doing and why they're doing it. They explain it um, because a lot of coaches they come from the school of thought where it's just hey, you're going to do this, um, and if you don't do it, then we're just going to get someone else who's just going to do it. But a lot of the times when people are asking questions, it's coming from a good place. I just want to understand this more. I want to understand what's going on more. I'm, a, I'm hungry for knowledge. Like, feed me the knowledge. I just want to know. Um, but a lot of coaches take anything that's said to them as bad talk or – you're defiant or something else negative. It doesn't matter. Um, the ability to listen as well. Um, because when it comes to players, just like you said earlier, we're all different. You know, I knew from just being a leader on the football team, being a captain, that when it comes to people, yeah, you can scream at everybody. You can do that. But with certain people, if you really want to get the better results out of them, you need to speak to them in their language. And if you listen to them, you're going to be able to see, be able to hear that. Some guys, you know, you can scream at them in their face, and it's going to get the job done. Some people, you might have to pull off to the side and kind of like explain it to them a little much because there's stuff going on, or they are just trying to figure it out, or that's just how they listen. Um, Plus, too, 
on the field, things there's a, there's even though you're a coach on the field, there's things that you're going to miss on the field, and and being able to listen to someone else, and we're also human beings. We're going to have our own faults. We're going to miss things. A good coach is always willing to listen to someone else. Well, so let me That's let me when, let me excuse me. Let me ask this question in in light of the scenario now we've got with, and of course you're not playing anymore, but with the pandemic and the the stressors that are brought on because of that. Okay, isn't it maybe more important than ever that coaches, especially at, at, at any level, really take the time to get to know their athletes personally and 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 understand what are what are their, what are my athletes' stressors? What you know, some some people are not the, the pandemic. Some people it doesn't affect them. Some people are scared to death about it. Everybody's different. So, isn't it important as a coach? To really, you know, we talk about communication, but I think really good coaches are good listeners, and they they yeah. take the time to understand their athletes as people. I mean, I don't care if you're, you know, who you are. You can be, you know, it's like, it's like you know, today uh, we're we're live here in our studio, and and Cam, the Chiefs are supposed to play the Patriots today. That game's now been postponed at least for a day or two as of right now because Cam Newton tested positive with the coronavirus, and the Chiefs' uh, third string quarterback did as well. So. You know, understanding athletes as people. So what what can, when you've got a coach who doesn't do that, which you have obviously had and can be abusive, what's the best way to handle that, Reggie? What do you think? As a player, how would you deal with a coach who's not listening? Yes, or or you feel a coach is being, not, not just not listening, but maybe also being somewhat, in your opinion, abusive. Okay, in terms of how you're being dealt with. Well, how I dealt with it uh, personally was I tried to open up the lines of communication because I understood that this I need this person to get to where I where I really wanted to be. I needed this person to stop what they were doing and understand us as a team better because it wasn't just me; it was the entire team. Because we're, I'm literally dealing with because of his dictatorship and how he would come down on the team and the mental mind games that he would play with everybody, he was a big gaslighter, big-time gaslighter. So when it came down in, in, to in that, what In what way? In what way? Oh, <laughs> he wanted you to accept whatever reality was going on in his head, and if you did not accept that reality, he would just sit there and... And uh, <laughs> I'll give you an example. So, same, and this is actually something that happened. Um, we, I had a practice, got an interception, um, made a big play, got a pick six, right? He stops, the, he stops the meeting, and he comes into my face, and he says, this is a bad play. And I was like, what? How? What was his justification, his, justification for that? His, 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 like, you took – you see your first step? That was a bad first step. You got to remember too, he did not like me and he wanted to get me out of there. And he, so any 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 anything that he could do in front of the team to get them to see his reality, he would do that. So he was just like, "You see this? Bad play, right, guys?" And everyone's looking around. He's like, "You see his first step? Terrible first step. We can't win with that." I was just like, "But I got an interception and I took it to the house." Nope. No, 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 no. That's a bad player. That's a bad play. You're a bad player. We don't need this on our team. 
why would you think this is good? And he would keep repeating that over and over and over again, just like that, until you finally were like, no, this is a bad play, Coach, and, I don't, and I'm a bad player. He would keep repeating that until you would do it. And he would do this every day for three years straight. So it got to the point where you were very confused about what was good, what was bad, what can I do that's good, what can I do that's bad. Um, so you're kind of just hesitating all the time. Right. Now we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to go to our next break here, but when we come back on our last segment, Re- Reggie, I want you to talk about how athletes can talk to coaches when they're confused, when they're, when they're feeling abused, whatever. And I think that's going to be really helpful to a lot of people. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacob. I'm talking to Reggie Walker, former NFL player. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy. Your football buddy. Or you, your best man. Your worst man. You, your dog walker. Your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. (gasps) Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. 
Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. And today I'm having a, a really interesting interview with former NFL player Reggie Walker. We've been talking about how, he've de- how he's dealt with some of the personal issues he's had to deal with, especially from an abusive perspective. And in our last segment here, Reggie, I, I'd like to talk about because of what you've been through. You know, our shows are podcasted uh, on SoundCloud and Apple iTunes or rebroadcast in a number of cities around the country. Um, I want to talk about communicating to coaches. I'd like you to talk about, because now, now that you're getting into the counseling world and you've been in counseling and you're, you're getting a degree, how can we help athletes who feel intimidated feel, or, or, or feel they're being abused verbally or physically? Um, how do we get them to speak up, number one? And then number two, and maybe just as importantly, how do we get coaches to recognize the impact they have on young athletes, positively or negatively, that they can have? Okay, so I'll start with the coaches. So if the coaches really paid attention, not just to, like, listen to how the kids are responding to them, like, really paid attention to that, you could understand how to coach that kid. It's it's not as complicated of a, of a situation to fix. If you're screaming at a kid and you see that it, you know he's kind of curling up, it's kind of not helping him out. He's not performing by you screaming. You know, a good coach, you're going to try something different and keep trying something different until something uh, works out. You know, you heard the reference, you know, to every man to every man with a hammer. <laughs> um, <laughs> Every problem is a nail, um, you know, but not every problem is a nail. And, they, and the, the best coaches really understood that. You know, we need a screwdriver sometimes or we need these pliers sometimes. Um, but as far as a kid, and you said if, if, they're, dealing with a, if they're dealing with an abusive coach, what's the best way of, of uh, handling that situation? Mm-hmm. Best way of handling that situation if you're dealing dealing with an abusive coach, um, you can try and pull them off to the side at first. But what I understood about it is you have to get someone else involved. Um, well, okay, okay. Let me up. let me interject here. Let me interject here because mm. see see from my perspective, first of all, this is why I think all collegiate and professional teams should have mental health professionals on staff and somebody. And I know I, I've I've worked with several teams and you know quite frankly i've been with some teams where there's been a coaching change administration administrative change and poof i'm gone i mean there was a professional team i was with and a, a new manager came in he didn't believe having me around didn't want somebody like me around so thought it was a sign of weakness so poof i was gone and um the, the coach was a successful coach but i think as a person i i personally had some doubts about how he treated people but you know you've got to be able to have a scenario, in my opinion, where, you know, professional athletes, collegiate athletes can speak up and talk about things that are bothering them and not be scared to do it. Everybody should be able to do that. But especially if you're on a sports team and you, you, you've you you've got some issues, you've got to be able to talk about it. If you're afraid to talk about it, and obviously you were for years, what did that do to you? 
Oh, it, it, it ripped me apart. But the thing, but the thing is, and I was speaking just for collegiate athletes. For collegiate athletes, they have to get someone involved because the the thing that about the situation that's really awful, they don't have advocates for themselves. So when it comes down to a coach coming down on them or someone that's being abusive or the situation I dealt with where it was an abusive situation, we had nobody to protect us. And I will be very clear about that. None of these kids have anyone there to protect them. Right, and as a professional athlete, you've got an agent. You can always go to your agent. Yeah, you've got an athlete. You can go to to your agent. You can go to anyone else. Plus, the situation is different. You're getting paid now. Um, And most of the time, you're getting paid more than a coach. So they can't come at you that way. They don't try to do things that they did on the collegiate level, how they treat you, because they can't. but on a collegiate level, they have they don't have anyone protecting them. So, so what's so what's have, what what would you suggest? And, and this could be at the high school level too, you know, because it happens mm-hmm. at all levels. So, what would you suggest as a former professional NFL play, athlete and NFL player for seven years, having gone through this, for for people who are listening to our show, especially the the hundreds and hundreds of people listen to these podcasts. What would you suggest to people who feel that that's going, there's some abuse going on? How is the best way for them to handle it at, at, at the high school or collegiate level? What would you say? Yeah, and just to be clear, too, just so it's, I'm not talking about hard coaching. None of this is hard coaching. I'm talking about straight-up abuse. Right, right. We're not talking, yeah, 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 let's, let's, clarif- let's just clarify that. This is not yeah. about pushing your athlete to reach their potential to toughen them up mentally when they're, they need to be toughened up mentally because a lot of people do. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about yeah, an abusive situation. So what, where you, where you personally feel, whatever that, whoever you would feel the abuse is, you feel it personally. So what would you say as a, as a former professional athlete who's been through this personally, what would you suggest to young athletes at the high school or collegiate level to do? High school or collegiate level, I would definitely get, tell someone you trust first and foremost about, what's been going on because just from my experience personal experience the longer you live with it the longer you sit with it without saying anything about it it builds up over the time over time like mold and just like mold it will just take over everything and what which is what happened to me so as soon as you possibly can you have to tell someone even though it's going to feel gross or it's going to feel like you're not being manly or you're being whatever, you have to tell someone. Because there's a difference between hard coaching and abuse. There's a difference between being in a trusted situation and being in an abusive situation. Um, especially when it comes down to, like I was, like with the sexual abuse. That's just, it, it's, it, it's, it's awful to say it, and it's awful to talk about it. And even for a while, talking about it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel terrible. But the more that you talk about it, the the less power it has over. You. So what we're talking about, Reggie, is is fear. What we're talking about is fear, fear yeah. of 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 sharing or exposing something that's scary that hurts. But the only way we can overcome things is to de- is to look in the mirror and deal with it. And and you at some point you have to. And so I think what you're sharing with us, especially from your own personal story is to not be afraid to speak up, not be afraid to say what you feel. And and, and, and to it's scary, it's hard, it's, it's difficult, but if you don't do it, what happens? It literally takes you over. It can take you completely over. Um, 
you know, I went to, I had to go to a treatment center when I was retired for 30 days because I was suicidal. I was basically catatonic on the couch um, because I just hadn't talked about it. Not, and I, I talked about it a little bit, but I hadn't talked to about it enough to the point where I was actually putting a dent in the problem. I wasn't doing what was necessary for me to fix the problem. And from 27 years worth of abuse and then not talking, and then you're going once a week to a therapist, it wasn't enough. And I knew it wasn't enough. And I wasn't doing what was necessary to handle it enough. So eventually it took me over. I had to basically get pushed on a plane to go to a treatment center, thank God, um, because it saved my life. And then when I finally went there, I finally did what was necessary to give myself the help that I needed. And I, that's the reason why I even talk about this now, so people can avoid that. Because if I could have talked to someone, or I just felt like I could verbalize it, because I couldn't verbalize a lot of it either. But if I just had that one trusted person that I could go to, I didn't feel like that until I got to college. But when I got to college and I finally said something, one of the biggest regrets I have is just not continuing to do it. Well, Reggie, we've got, we got, we, we got to wrap things up. Um, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story today because I, I, I can guarantee you there's someone who has listened to this who's going to listen to this show, and you will have helped them. Reggie Walker, mm-hmm. how can people reach you if anybody wants to get a hold of you? Um, I think probably the best way of reaching me is definitely uh, LinkedIn. That's probably the, that's the platform I will use the most. Um, I, uh, um, plus, um, yeah, LinkedIn, you can reach out to me. Um, Instagram, rwalk56, rwalk56. Um, and also, two people can email me. I always keep it open. And it's rwalker5553 uh, at iCloud.com. Reggie, thank and you I for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I appreciate it. No, no problem. I'm sports Thank psychologist you. doctor. You're, you're welcome. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 10 WHB on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, on my website, winnersalumina.com. You can always reach me there, drj at winnersalumina.com. My office number is 816-561-5556. Stay well. Take care. We'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Olivia, from Washington. 
laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna, from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha, from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.